This is the Adams Road program. Adams Road is a Christian music ministry dedicated to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Today's program features Adams Road songs, Adams Road piano instrumental music, as well as music in the spoken word, offered to God as an aroma of Christ to help spread the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 4.13, Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Today's reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 5. Being therefore justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have our access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only this, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope doesn't disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were yet weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, yet perhaps for a good person, someone would even dare to die. But God commends his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we will be saved from God's wrath through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more being reconciled, will we be saved by his life. Not only so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Therefore, as sin entered into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death passed to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not charged when there is no law. Nevertheless, Death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those whose sins weren't like Adam's disobedience, who was a foreshadowing of him who was to come. But the free gift isn't like the trespass, for if by the trespass of the one the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not as through one who sinned, for the judgment came by one to condemnation. But the free gift came of many trespasses to justification. For if by the trespass of the one, death reigned through the one, so much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then, as through the one trespass, all men were condemned, even so, through one act of righteousness, all men were justified to life. For as through the one man's disobedience many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, many will be made righteous. The law came in that the trespass might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded more exceedingly. That as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Since we have been justified by... 
So Romans 5, 1 starts out by saying, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's going to say, here are the benefits of having been justified by faith. And number one is that we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Paul made it very clear earlier in the book of Romans that outside of Christ, we're all enemies of God. We're children of wrath, doomed to destruction. We deserve the wrath of God. He says in Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Through faith in Jesus, having been justified by faith, then we have peace with God. He's pleased with us in the same way he's pleased with Christ. He has the same joy and pleasure in us because we're in Christ now. And so all the benefits of Christ's perfect righteousness apply to us as believers. That's a reality that we can live in on a daily basis. So the first thing is peace with God, but that's not it. Through Christ, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. It puts it this way in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Speaking of Jesus, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And it puts it this way in Hebrews 10, 19, Having therefore, brothers, boldness to enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the way which he dedicated for us, a new and living way through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a great priest over God's house, let's draw near with a true heart and fullness of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our body washed with pure water. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he abolished the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. He dealt with that record of death that stood against us. And after he had done that, and after he had said, it is finished, God tore the veil of the Jewish temple from top to bottom. There was a very thick veil that separated the holy place in the temple from the Holy of Holies. And the only person who had access to the most holy place was the high priest, only once in the year, not without blood, which he offers for himself and for the heirs of the people. This was how Israel's sins were dealt with. On the Day of Atonement, once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies with blood not his own to appear in the presence of God for the people. And he'd sprinkle the blood of the goats and the bulls on the mercy seat to satisfy or appease the demand of the law that stood against them because of their sin. Everyone in Israel outside of the high priest, they worshiped from afar. They, they didn't come near the presence of God. They didn't dare do that. But when Jesus died on the cross and the veil was torn from top to bottom, it represented that there was now free access to the throne of grace. There was free access to God, to relationship with him because of what Christ had done. So we can now boldly approach this throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Eternal life is to know the only true God in Jesus Christ whom he has sent. And so literally, we're now in relationship with God. We, we're not worshiping from afar, but we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. So we're in personal, intimate relationship with him. So much so that one of the benefits as well of being justified by faith is that God sends his Holy Spirit into our hearts. And through that, we enjoy the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which includes love, joy, and peace, and so many other things. 
All right, so we have peace with God. We have free access to the throne of grace through our faith, and we we have confidence. We can boldly approach the throne of grace. We don't have to approach it in fear and in trepidation that we're going to be struck down. The third benefit of having been justified by faith, according to Romans 5, is that we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Um, The glory of God, it's something Paul's going to talk about more in Romans 8, that the glory will be fully revealed to us as believers, that we eagerly await the redemption of our bodies. We learn in Philippians that he who has began a good work in us will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so at that day, when Jesus comes to return to gather his people to himself, we shall see him as he is, for we shall be like him. We'll shed these lowly, mortal, sinful bodies and we'll be given a glorious spiritual body like Christ's. The final benefit is, oddly enough, Paul says here that we rejoice in our sufferings. What our sufferings produce, it produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. And so what we perceive in our Christian walk is bad things, and we maybe cry out to God in certain circumstances, why did you let this happen? We need to have a perspective. God's going to work all things out for our good. And so the sufferings that we're dealing with now, they're preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. We're not looking to the things that are temporal and seen, but to the things that are unseen, the things that are spiritual, the things that are eternal, the heavenly things. When Joseph of Genesis was sold into Egypt by his brothers, I'm sure at the time he was thinking that that was the worst thing that could have ever happened. Potiphar's wife ended up falsely accusing him and he ended up in jail. But God somehow worked out all those things to put Joseph in the position to be Pharaoh's right-hand man. And through that, was able to bring about the salvation of Jacob's house because of that drought, that famine that was going on in the land. And so Joseph tells his brothers, don't sweat it like what you intended to be for evil, God intended for good. And so in our own lives, God is disciplining us. He's growing us. And all the suffering that we're enduring, it's actually for our good. And it's preparing us again for that eternal glory we'll have in Christ. Well, Paul says in Romans 5, 8, one of my favorite verses, a very famous verse, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Some people think that before you can come to God, you have to get your life in order. You've got to clean yourself up. I grew up as a religious person. I grew up as a part of a works-based religion. We were taught that we had to deny ourselves of all ungodliness first before God's grace would kick into effect in our lives. But here we see that that's not the case. We need to come to Jesus as we are, broken, destitute sinners, and just fall upon his grace and his mercy, and call upon his name and receive what he's done for us on our behalf. And Jesus, he'll begin a good work in us that he'll bring to completion eventually at the day of Jesus Christ. And that work begins with him pouring his love into our hearts and us receiving the Holy Spirit. But it's God's work in us, it's not our work. And so, we can take the pressure off ourselves to be perfect, knowing as Paul says in Galatians 2.20 that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He came down to humanity in the grossness of our sin, in our darkness, and he chose to save us in our defiled state. He chose to die on a cross for us and bear in his body our sins, All right, and then we move on to Romans 5, 12 through 21. He's gonna talk about Adam. Adam is a type for Christ, not in the way a lot of types are. 
because usually when you think of a type, you think how similar that type is to the thing it's representing. But here we see Adam's kind of the opposite of Christ, almost like an anti-type. But what they have in common, the one thing that each of these did affected all of humanity. The first for bad, but the second for good. Sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. Because of Adam, we're all under sin and condemnation. Adam sinned and we inherited that nature from him. And so he's like our, he's our federal head. So you might say, well, that, that sounds unfair. But the second point is, just like Adam's one act of disobedience brought condemnation for all men, so there's one act of righteousness that leads to justification and life for all men. So Jesus is the second Adam, and he also is a federal head. By condemning the human race through one man, God is then able to save the human race through one man. You might argue it's not fair that we're under condemnation because of Adam, but it's also not fair that we're gifted eternal life because of Christ. We're gifted the reward that Christ earned. And so basically we have two choices. Do we want Adam to be our federal head forever or do we want Christ to be our federal head? And what do I mean by federal head? If you guys have ever seen the movie Hunger Games, Katniss Everdeen, one of the main characters, she's part of a district. In each district, they choose a representative for that district to go fight in these games to the death. And so the first thing that Katniss does is she becomes a substitute for her sister. Her sister was supposed to go. Her sister got selected to represent her district. Katniss decided to take her place, to be her substitute, to do that on her behalf so that she wouldn't have to do it. That's kind of a cool thing there. And then the other thing is, Katniss was then a representative for that district. And when she ended up winning the Hunger Games, and coming back, the entire district reaped the benefits of that victory, as if they were all victors. And in the same way, we're all victorious in Christ. We who've decided to receive what Jesus did on our behalf, we get the benefits of Christ's victory over sin and death. Another example of a federal head would be David and Goliath. Goliath pitched that he wanted to go one-on-one -on -one against the best of Israel, and the winner of that duel would essentially get all the, the spoils from war. And so instead of having both armies fight each other, there was one representative from each army. And David was the representative for Israel, and he defeated Goliath and killed him. Israel enjoyed the victory through David. And in the same way, we enjoy the victory through Christ. We didn't do it ourselves, Jesus did it, but we reap the benefits of that victory. I'll close with this as Romans 5.18 says, therefore as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. This next song is called Second Adam from the Adams Road album. Book of Life. The first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Just as we have born the image of the man of dust. We shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. One sin brought condemnation on all men, for all have sinned and then death reigned from darkness righteous. Oh, not one, one act. 
righteousness covered all sin through Jesus' death on the cross, where He became our sin. If you're listening to this content today through the radio broadcast, we just want to let you know that this content is also released as a podcast on a weekly basis. You can find it by searching Adams Road Podcast. Micah Wilder, a member of our ministry, recently wrote a book called Passport to Heaven. When Mormon missionary Micah Wilder set his sights on bringing a Baptist pastor and his congregation into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, He couldn't have imagined that the entire trajectory of his life was about to be changed forever. Micah's passionate effort to convert these Christians was met by a surprising challenge. To read the Bible through the eyes of a child, letting the Word speak for itself. He learned of a God whose love did not have to be earned, and he wrestled with the radical idea of God's mercy for the remaining 18 months of his mission. As he struggled to reconcile the teachings of his church with the truths revealed in the Bible, he encountered the true character of Jesus for the first time and awakened to his need for his grace. 
Passport to Heaven is a gripping account of Micah's journey from living as a devoted member of a religion based on human works to embracing the divine mercy and freedom that can only be found in Jesus Christ. As I lay there contemplating the vastness of the love that had been so extraordinarily conveyed to me, the magnitude of Christ's atonement exploded in my heart like a supernova, radiating far beyond my mortal vessel and bringing with it the desire to fall to my knees. The Holy Spirit then began painting a picture of perfect love before me in mere seconds that I had waited a lifetime to understand. Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, after having been betrayed and falsely condemned, was dragged into the streets of Jerusalem, where he was brutally beaten, fiercely scourged, spat upon, and publicly scorned. The blameless and spotless Lamb of God cried in agony as a vicious crown of thorns was thrust onto his head, and the Roman soldiers mocked him, saying, Behold, the King of the Jews! And yet Jesus was the King of all kings and now sits triumphantly at the right hand of God. Through him, the vast universe and all its glory was created. And yet he was led to Calvary, where he was crucified on a tree formed by his own hands, nailed to it by the very people he came to redeem. And there, on Golgotha's rocky hill, the very Word of God made flesh endured with incomparable humility the most excruciating and harrowing death the world has ever seen. God's immeasurable love for all mankind was on full, heartbreaking display as Jesus bore in his stricken body the sins, iniquities, and infirmities of the world. Bleeding the precious blood of eternal atonement on the cross, the Messiah paid in full measure the debt that we owed God because of our transgressions. But this priceless offering wasn't just a collective sacrifice, it was personal, it was intimate, it was for me. The Savior of the world drank the cup of wrath that I deserved and freely poured out his soul to death for me. As my kingly substitute, he willingly took my place on the cross of Calvary and died on my behalf a guilty sinner, all the while looking into my eyes and proclaiming his ineffable love for me. Jesus endured a transcendent passion that was driven by an infinite and intimate love that surpasses all knowledge and understanding. He suffered and died because he loved, and for the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the cross. My salvation was that joy. How could anyone love me so much. It was only in this metamorphic flash of grace that it was impressed on me with such an unparalleled intensity just how deep and wide and magnificent that love really was. A love that drove Christ to endure the unthinkable and while suffering unspeakable pain, see my very face. This was a profound love that encompassed the very essence and nature of God himself. This was the sacrificial agape love I had long been waiting for, the only love that could eternally satisfy. Truly, there is no greater expression of love. Passport to Heaven can be found wherever books are sold. This is the Adams Road program. 
Adams Road is a Christian music ministry dedicated to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Today's program features Adams Road songs, Adams Road piano instrumental music, as well as music in the spoken word, offered to God as an aroma of Christ to help spread the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. Check out the Adams Road website at adamsroadministry.com. There you can download our songs for free, as well as our spoken word and instrumental music content. In addition, we share testimonies about the love of Jesus Christ and how He's transformed our lives. Please contact us through our website if you're interested in scheduling our Adams Road team for a time of song and testimony, or if you're interested in scheduling our pianist for a time of spoken word, piano music, and testimony. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all.